Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Ingenuity Show has the weirdest style. The Ingenuity Show hopes you stay a while. Come with these three nerdy engineers. What you will find might linger in the cochlea of your ears. Oh, with every nerd cast, there is something new. If you are listening, then this show's for you. You may think the premise of this show sounds so absurd. Well, you're the one listening. Who's the nerd? You know me so you can't just say bizarre. You never get a moment for free. Show me something fun on your guitar. Something with an A. Hello, welcome to the Engineering Show. I'm Mr. Pold. I'm St. Jimmy. And I'm Master Zed. Welcome to another episode of the show where we talk about nerd culture, technology, media, and cons- and uh, news. And occasionally we're funny. At well, least we at least think we are. Mom says we are. Oh. <laughs> well, as long as we don't make her laugh so hard that she crashes the bus. <laughs> Or the uh, car, or whatever she's driving. Yeah. Our sponsor this week is Trevity. Get a cutting of the wackiest engineered for your zany garden. <laughs> uh, so, that's what I call nerdiculture. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a culture. Yep. <laughs> uh, how was y'all's Thanksgiving? It was Thanksgiving horrific. We all Thanksgiving away from each other. Yes, I didn't. Yep, we didn't end up going to Thanksgiving with Master Zed. We missed you. We have plenty of turkey if you want some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it just you two? It was. Oh, um, well, I'm sorry. Well, we had bought a 14 pound turkey, expecting Ooh. there to be more people. Dang. Um, but it was fine. We cooked it. We actually did a really good brine that Ooh. found a new recipe so we did this like citrus and herb brine and then oh. we spatchcocked mm-hmm. the turkey does that mean so you <laughs> cut the spine out of it and then you break the ribs at the chest bone well it's and still so that... alive <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. and then you basically can That's lay the turkey, turkey flat oh you butterflied it yeah, pretty much. Um, huh. So it cooked in, I think for that size turkey, it said it would have been like three and a half hours to cook. Mm-hmm. And it cooked in under two hours. Hmm. Wow. And so the breast meat stayed really tender. 
Somebody and said without that, they, that you should cook your turkey breast side down because then all the juices go into mm. the breast meat. Yeah, it's not as good looking when you do that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, the person that started that thread had done it accidentally, and they're yeah. like, they don't know cutting turkey. into it. And they're like, what is wrong with this turkey? There's hardly any meat on this thing. Somebody else is like, oh, oh yeah, I've done that on purpose before. It was really good. Okay. Cookie. So, do you I guys do all... traditional dinners? Yeah. Kind of. So we canceled our travel plans for Thanksgiving and then within probably 12 hours reinstated them with some modifications, but we ended up at uh, MJ's folks house and they cooked. Well, we brought a turkey and a ham that was in our freezer. And so we had turkey and ham and all the usual fixings. Yeah, we, we had all three of my kids here for Thanksgiving. Awesome. Um, including uh, my son-in-law and my son's girlfriend mm-hmm. and their bearded dragon. Oh, fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, my dragon only has a goatee. Yeah, you have Mine's a goatee. Mustached. Mustachioed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we... Um, my, so Danger Girl brought a ham... And they also brought the air fryer and uh, cooked the ham in the air fryer. While it was still alive? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then there was only a couple of us that wanted turkey, so we got a turkey roast. Oh. And we got a gigantic pan for the turkey roast, so it made it look even smaller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was delicious. And then, yeah, we spent most of the morning cooking sometimes with six of us in the kitchen at the same time cooking different dishes and then uh yeah we ate for about 10 minutes and then (laughs) it was over (laughs) right we played some games and watch any really bad football games no i i wasn't able to figure out how to watch them i mean oh i don't really have the you know Basic um, channels. Uh, the so, over the air. Yeah, I watched uh, part of one game and it was horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, it was not good <laughs> football. But so the the day afterwards, we all went to the park that's near our house and we played some softball. Ooh. So that was kind of fun. Fun. And, uh, yeah, good time so, was had by all. Nice. Mm. So we, because we had such a big turkey, we just immediately froze half of the meat after it got off the turkey. While it was still alive? <laughs> oh. And then we put <laughs> the, <laughs> then we've had, like, turkey, so we, oh, we had friends over um on saturday night and we made empanadas mm. and made one with a with turkey nice in it so we used some of it there and then we used some of our other the 
because we kept half of it out. So that's still mm-hmm. probably three Several or pounds. four pounds. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of turkey. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been using it in things, but everything we've made with it has also been too much to eat in one time. So then we've had it leftover leftover turkey it's like some multiple layers of <laughs> yeah leftovers but Ooh, mj used to make this turkey enchiladas with like a green sauce yeah that's that what we have planned good. for the frozen stuff we're gonna do enchiladas with some of it nice we made sourdough rolls from okay. scratch they were fantastic <laughs> I had to stop myself from just eating. I think I had three rolls. <laughs> All of them. Well, and they were big. The recipe was like, well, it can make 12 to 16 or something. And we like, made 12. We're going to make six. Oh. And yeah, they were like softball sized. Nice. Oh, so wow. I ate one with lunch. We ate, we ate it like two because then mm-hmm. we could just, I only ate one meal that day. If you don't count pie. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And then I, I, had a, I had a roll at like four, and then I had another roll at like eight or nine. <laughs> and then we had pie, I think, three different. Well, you do have to kind of wean yourself off. Yeah. <laughs> we made two pies. Mm. Yeah, I made two pumpkin pies. Dude, I had pumpkin pie, pecan chocolate pudding pie and this rocky road pie that my mother-in-law makes it has like it's like chocolate but not like the pudding it's like moosier but then it has like marshmallow bits in it it's pretty good that sounds good i just had a small piece of each because it was like i want some of each but i don't want to explode so (laughs) had little pieces but so good. The the uh, the fun part of the trip was having truck problems the whole time. What? Well, so the week before our off roading trip, I had a ignition coil replaced, and they replaced all the spark plugs also. And uh, when we got down, let's see, we went down and we went to visit our little sister and as we're like entering her neighborhood the engine's starting to feel kind of rough like it's misfiring again and so MJ's like we're out in the middle of Idaho and we have a several hour drive to get back to where we're staying and we don't want to be stuck out here in winter you know it's pretty cold there yeah so I went and bought just an eight pack of ignition coils and replaced all eight of them. Just like, well, one went bad and the others are the same age and the second one's going bad. But uh, that went well. But then the next morning, the battery was dead. Don't like Ooh. how did the battery go dead overnight? It's like, well, maybe a light got left on or something. So we How old's your battery? I uh, just put it in in June and it's oh. a very fancy one. The kind that only lasts for 5 months. Oh, just kidding. No. <laughs> yeah. It better not cuz it was expensive. Well, it probably has a warranty if it Yeah, that's true. Bad. So we I 
I have a little jump starter that I bought after our May fiasco with the battery. So I jumped it with that, started up. The voltage, though, like, it was hovering around 13 volts, and it slowly, as we were driving down the freeway, eventually, after an hour or so of driving, got up to 14 volts. And I was like, okay. So the alternator's obviously working. Yeah. So we park it and don't try to drive it till the next day and go out and it's dead again. It's like, hopefully okay. you charged your jump starting pack. No. Oh, but it said it was good for like three to four jumps. Huh. But apparently that wasn't if you had a large V8 engine, cause it would not <laughs> jump it a second time. So we just jumped it with my in-laws car. And uh, and then you jumped the Grand Canyon with it. Oh, wait. And the v- voltage went right up to 14 and a half volts like normal. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, alternator regulator. Something is draining the battery when it's off, but everything seems to be working fine when it's running, except the battery light was on. So I mm. took it to a parts store and said, hey, test this. Tell me what's going on. And they're like, battery's like, fine. Al- alternator's fine. I said, it's the battery light. It keeps draining your battery. Yeah. I said, you should take this uh, <laughs> stick out of from between the injector <laughs> coils and the spark plugs. No. You're supposed to so take I'm them like, out of the box? Oh, maybe. Well, I <laughs> doubt that if I had installed them wrong that I could have done, you know, 85 on the freeway. But um, or that they would be a par- new parasitic draw on the battery. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how putting new ignition coils in would drain the battery. But I went and pulled the fuse for the ignition coils, and I had an ammeter that I was checking, and I had a five amp draw, and I pulled every mini fuse out, and it didn't affect it. But then I realized, oh. Every time I hook the ammeter up, the computer comes on and does something. So I can't really tell if I'm affecting the drain at all. So for the rest of the trip, every time I was going to park the truck for more than an hour, I disconnected the battery cable. Mm. And I even went and had it checked a second time at a different auto parts store, and they told me everything was fine. So we drove it home. I was like, well, we'll have to just diagnose it at home. And one of the times I was driving it, the voltage was at 14 and a half. And then later I looked and it was down at 13. And I was like, that's the alternator. But normally an alternator going bad wouldn't drain your battery when it's sitting. So I did a test when I got home. You got lucky. (laughs) <laughs> I got lucky. I, well, I did a test when oh. I got home. I just unhooked the wires going to the alternator and left the battery hooked up overnight and checked it the next day, and the battery was still good. So there's so like the a alternator. short in it? So I Something, bought a new alternator yeah. and put it on the other day, and it seems to be fine now. I haven't hmm. really driven it since then. but So I told you guys about my truck vibration yeah, that I was having. So I finally I took it. There's a drive shaft shop near us that 
um, he said they, the website says they do like custom four by fours and hot rods and do build drive shafts and stuff. So it seemed like he was fairly well-rounded and would do a good job. So I took our truck in and he called and said, he's like, I had told him a little bit about the issues we we're having, told him all of the work I've done on the truck mm-hmm. and that it just all of a sudden started having this terrible vibration. And he's like, yeah, none of the stuff that he did should have caused that. Well, he called me after they looked at it and he was like, oh, and I had mentioned that five years ago we had gotten high, the truck high centered on a tree <laughs> driving over a tree mm-hmm. and had bent the drive shaft. Oh, and so we had replaced the drive shaft mm-hmm. um, at that point. And then I told him that one of the things I'd replaced recently was the carrier bearing. And so he calls and is like, so when did you hit your drive shaft? When was that? And it was like five years ago. And he's mm-hmm. like the cross frame cross member that holds the carrier bearing is bent. So the, he's like, your angles are so out of whack that I would have expected you to have gone like blown out U joints and everything within like two to three months. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) It's that bad. And I'm like, Oh crap. He's like, yeah. And because of it, he said the pinion in the rear diff is toast. Oh, that's where the vibration's coming from. So we're getting a new, they're going to rebuild. I, they're going to like cut the frame cross member out. It's like riveted to the frame. Mm-hmm. So they're going to drill the rivets out, readjust it, reattach it to the frame. Rebuild your diff. And then rebuild the diff. And so he's like, yeah, we have to replace the, you know, ring and pinion gears mm-hmm. in there. And I'm like, well, we've been thinking about re-gearing it. Oh, so that would be the time. We're going to be buying gears anyway. Mm-hmm. We might as well just buy different gears. And then he has to rebuild the front as well with doing that. But mm-hmm. so it's going to cost more than it would have just to do the minimum. Right. Um, but you'll have... A better product at the end yeah he said that the he's like chances are if the pinions toast then all of the everything in the diff's gonna be jacked up mm. yeah so he's like your your uh carrier is gonna he's like this has a limited slip so those are 700 bucks or something to replace mm. and i was like well how much is a locker oh so Does it not in. have a locker? No. In the back? Nope. Oh, cool. Um, so we're going to get a an air locker put in. Nice. While we're doing it. So hopefully everything goes well. He was going to do some figuring on gears and call me back tomorrow. <laughs> um, but we're supposed to be driving it to our folks place for Christmas. So we'll see if it's yeah. done. I don't know how long it's going to take for him to do everything, but <laughs> well, usually they can do stuff that we think would take 
like if we were trying to do all that work, it would take forever. <laughs> well, but he it every, might take them two days. Right. Well, every get the parts. everything he was telling me was like parts are really hard to get right now. Oh, uh, just because of factories yeah, shutting down because of that COVID. could be an issue. So he's like he was telling me about some like just very standard 2015 Chevy Silverado wheel bearing. He had to call around like a dozen different places to find someone that had one. Wow. And yeah, it was like it was nuts. But so it has been my week of getting stuff serviced because we took our car in for an oil change. And while we've been having an issue with the car in the last few weeks. Oh boy. Where it's very specific and it's too specific. They couldn't figure out what the cause was because they couldn't replicate it. Oh, but it in fourth gear around 4,000 to 5,000 RPM it is like the fuel cuts out or a clutch is pushed in type thing. It's like it loses yeah. go and then it comes back and it'll do it a couple times while you're trying to accelerate huh. and they couldn't get it to do it weird. But I think that might be a temperature issue. If it's not warm enough, hmm. maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so they need to drive it long enough to warm it up to try and replicate it. Well, they need to drive it when it's cold to see if oh. it, because I think it only does it when it's cold. Gotcha. Mm. But I don't want to. Right yeah. Now. So <laughs> we're just going to not drive the cars aggressively because yeah. it only does it when you're at like 4,000 RPMs in fourth gear, which is like 75 miles an hour mm. and accelerating hard. So right. fairly <laughs> easy to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Especially in the state you live in. <laughs> yeah. The highest speed limit's 70. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the last thing I got in for service that I just dropped off today is my shotgun. Oh. To get it serviced. Yeah. They, they change the oil in that and rotate the tires. Oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, last two episodes were the split episodes. So yeah, it may have been a little weird for the listeners because I used our same intro and outro on both. Mm-hmm. And then like some of the banter in the second episode referred to stuff. <laughs> we which we said last week, but it was actually two weeks before. Well, we but didn't I decide had... to split it till after we finished yeah. recording. <laughs> right. But I did on the first one put an interjection where I explained what I was going to do. So hopefully it wasn't too weird. Hey, some podcasts don't even put out a show on Thanksgiving week. So, Oh yeah, that's true. Um, the other thing is I finally figured out about the ads through Mm -hmm. our host and the, so the premium ad free version that we can pay for Mm -hmm. isn't available yet. Oh, so when it, when it becomes available, then I can, I I know what the price is 
and it's it's reasonable, so I think we can handle that. That's kind of tricky to start putting ads in, but don't give you the option to take them out yet. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that irked me is you have no control over what ads they put on there. It's like it would have been nice if they'd given us the option to like not have political ads or right, you know. Because people come to our show just because we don't talk about politics, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some people probably do. Uh, what else? DVD should be back next week, according to a note in here. Okay. So just letting people know will be a foursome. Uh, let's see. Oh, so we were disc golfing DVD and I on Monday, as we have been. And. I've been trying out a new forehand throw method. and Do you have to borrow uh, DVD's hands to make it four? No. Oh. It's the forward direction throw. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, was, I was not doing very well on Monday, although at the end my score was decent. But um, I was having a hard time, harder than normal time with my forehand throw. It just wasn't quite working out and uh, it's thrown my mid range and it just tipped over and went over this fence oh, on the man. course. And it's like a, you know, no trespassing. It's the, right. the feeling you get from that yard is that they don't like the fact that people throw discs in their yard. And right. They don't want you jumping the fence. So I just, I was like, well, that disc is gone i'm never gonna see that again well when i got home from work on wednesday i had a text this guy was like hey i found your disc do you want it i was like yeah so he texted me his address and i went and got it from him and he was like yeah i was i threw my disc over the fence and there were like some contractors working on the house and one of them was nearby, so I just asked him, like, hey, can you throw my disc back over? And mine happened to be near his. Oh. So he just threw both of them over, and that guy, you know, had my name and number on it. So awesome. I got my disc back that I thought was gone forever. Cool. So, there is hope for humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Well, should we uh, go on with nerdiculture? I believe so. <laughs> the topic that I had planned three weeks ago that didn't come <laughs> to fruition. <laughs> so I actually haven't looked over my notes. Oh, boy. <laughs> so this may be kind of choppy. <laughs> <laughs> As our listeners may know, I am a big fan of geography. It's come up a time or two. So I put together a few interesting geography quirks or facts or trivia that are kind of interesting to me anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
The first one is, you know, some things aren't where we think they are. So, for example, if I were to tell you that Reno, Nevada, is further west than Los Angeles, California, <laughs> what would be your first instinct? Yeah, that like, doesn't, that doesn't sound likely. right. <laughs> but it's I true. <laughs> there are parts of California that are fairly far east, but yeah, yeah, because LA, you think it's you know it's on the coast. It's got to be. And if you were in Detroit and you drove south, would you? Uh, would it make sense that you are actually heading into Canada? <laughs> Detroit, so that's Michigan. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. So, another thing I found interesting is I was looking at the first beaches in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, in the continental United States, the um, furthest north you can go in the continental U.S. is the north northwest. Oh, the Northwest Angle Inlet, which is in Minnesota. Oh, and so when they were deciding on the lines. You know, the boundaries the for the, yeah, the border. Um, some of their maps were wrong about this area. <laughs> and so there's happens to be a big lake right there in the middle of that northwest angle mm-hmm. area where Minnesota dips up into Canada, which makes this spot in that's part of the United States, but you can only get there. Um, Canada. Through Canada or by boat across the lake. Uh, huh. <laughs> and so, where would you think the most, what state do you think the southernmost reach would be? Florida. And you'd be correct. Is the Keys. Cape Sable, I guess, is the furthest <laughs> south. And the furthest east, what do you think? Maine? Yeah, Maine. Um, this is the this is kind of funny. The furthest east in the United States is called West Quaddy Head. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people and their naming. <laughs> and then the furthest west is actually a place that I've camped at before. It's in Washington State. It's called Cape Alava. Mm. Um, Alava. Alava. You're really quiet, Master Zed. I can barely hear you. Oh yeah, you can even. I tell think you. it's been that way for some time. Actually, I didn't. I, if you've been talking, we haven't been hearing you for a while. <laughs> I and, will troubleshoot. I might have to leave. My microphone does that occasionally. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, let me look at my notes some more. <laughs> okay, so something that I, it was some kind of quiz or something, but it was. Like, what percentage of South America is east of Miami, Florida? Oh, yeah. And it's like 95%. It's like, that seems weird because... Yeah, the west coast of South America lines up with the east coast east of North coast. America. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's once you look at like a map or a globe, you're like, oh, it it actually does. But until somebody pointed that out, I would have thought that 
the east coast of the U.S. lined up roughly with the east coast of South America. That's why (laughs) I've gone to Paraguay for a couple work trips. And depending on the time of year, it can be five hours ahead of Portland. Because it's oh. also Southern Hemisphere, so daylight savings time is opposite. Oh, so nice. there's like a stretch of time where they're three hours apart. There's a stretch of time where it's four and then five. Wow. Am I still quiet? No, no you, you sound. We can better. hear you now. Okay, I unplugged it and plugged it back in. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're talking about the United States and its territories, um. Mm-hmm. The northernmost point is in Alaska, of course, mm-hmm. Point Point Barrow. And then the southernmost is in the Rose Atoll in American Samoa. Oh. Which is out in the Pacific. Hmm. And then the east and west ones are kind of interesting. So the east one is in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and it's called Point Udall. It's named for a guy named... A guy uh, Stuart Udall, oh. and the westernmost point. Um, huh, I didn't write where this place is, <laughs> but the rest of the westernmost point oh. is called Point Udall. <laughs> what? And it's named for Stuart's brother Morris. <laughs> wow, that's quite. Oh, and Guam. Your mother must have been proud. Oh yeah, it might be Guam. Yeah. <laughs> so that was <laughs> kind of interesting. Oh. Um, but depending on how you look at directions, if you don't, cause that's, if you take like in relation to like the center of, which of mass way you would go from the, of the, of the U S to get there. Yeah. If you start at the center of, um, centroid of the United States, mm-hmm. what direction that, but if you, if you go by like absolute direction based on the globe, right. The North. East and West points are all in Alaska. Because it crosses the date line. Yes. And it's, yeah. Because the Aleutian Islands, some of them are across the international date line. So technically, they are east. (laughs) They should give some southerly island to Alaska just so that they can also be the (laughs) southernmost. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, let's see. So when I was looking at that, there's um, there's two islands that are about I guess from my, um, they're in the Bering Strait. One's called Big Diomede, and the other's called Little Diomede. Oh. And Big Diomede belongs to Russia, and Little Diomede belongs to Alaska. Wow. And as I was looking into this, there's actually been someone that has swam from the United States to Alaska or to Russia. To Russia. Mm. Her, her name was Lynn Cox and she did it in 1987. Wow. And it took her two hours and six minutes. Hmm. And she was very close. But there's a 20 hour difference between, <laughs> between the two locations. <laughs> oh. Huh. Which is That's very crazy. Strange. Yeah. So I was looking at uh, another thing on my list here. Largest deserts in the world. Okay. Um, how many of the top five do you think you can name? 
two, two, maybe three, maybe three. Okay, Sahara. which one's Hara? Okay, that's number three. Gobi. Uh, Gobi's Simpson. number five. Uh, uh, the Mib. Is nope. that a big one? Not big enough. The Mojave. Simpsons not on there. What did you say? Simpson. Nope. Mm, uh, Mojave. Nope. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you the so top we got five. Two. Oh, Atacama. How about that? No. One? no. Oh, that so is the nice largest one. desert in the world, 5.5 oh, million. Antarctica. Antarctica. Yes, miles. Antarctica. Known. It gets less than two inches of precipitation a year. Um, the second largest is 5.4 million. I think this is square miles, but like I said, this is notes I took three old. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Is the, the Arctic desert, which I imagine desert covers like that? Greenland or... Trying to because there's there's a mass right on the North Pole, except right under Santa's workshop, of course. Yeah, well, it's built on the ice. Oh, yeah, and then then the third one is the Sahara. So it looks like the Arctic desert covers a bunch of different islands. Uh, I don't think that counts. Uh, Have you ever heard of a desert island? Yeah, exactly. So, so number number four is the no, it would have snow on it. Yeah, (laughs) number four is the uh, Arabian, which is Mm, in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and then the Gobi, which is half as big as the Arabian one. That one's in Asia. Yeah, so that's the top five. Cool. So, Wait I don't know Antarctica. how I don't know how I transitioned from largest deserts in the world to largest cities in the U.S. by area. <laughs> by area. Ooh. Yes. Not population by area. Denver's probably in there because it just stretches on forever. So, out of the top five. I guess if you addresses in that city, well, I think it would be the that would be the city city limits. limits. Interesting. Hold on, I I didn't put any units in my notes, so I'm gonna look up something <laughs> real quick. Just... There's seven square centimeters. <laughs> uh, let's see. So what's the one that's not in Alaska? LA? There's one in Florida. Oh. Is the fifth one. So yeah, this is in square miles. So Sitka, Alaska is two thousand eight hundred and seventy square miles in the city limits of Sitka. They're greedy. That's crazy. That can't count. Come on. And and coming in right behind them is Juno with two thousand seven hundred and one. Wow. <laughs> I work with a guy from Juno. I'll have to see if he knows what part. <laughs> I I don't know. So is I th- think I oh, wow. heard somewhere that you can't drive to Juno. Nope, you can't. You have it's to take a island. ferry or an airplane. Yeah. 
So the third one is Wrangell, Alaska, which is 2,500 2, square miles. And then Anchorage at 1,700 square That's miles. That's just cheating. So in Florida, there's a city that has this, the city limits are like 747 square miles. And that's Jacksonville, Florida, which I've actually lived there. Okay, and, so when you punch in one of these cities in Google Maps, yeah. it shows the boundary. Does and, it? They're not yeah. that big? No, they're huge. Oh, okay. But there's like nothing out there. Right. Well, that's it's what just, I was thinking about. Why uh, are the city limits that far? If you can't see another house... There's like glaciers and mountains and stuff included in this. Okay, guess how many square miles? And then it's all they specifically excludes little pieces. Guess how many square miles the town that uh, Mr. Pold and I live in is? Um, 20? I don't know. So the population's 14,000 and change. Mm Mm-hmm. It's 11 square miles. Oh, what did I guess? 20. So it was like half as much as I guessed. Hmm. It's a weird shape because it's got like what you think of as town. Right. And then there's like this narrow neck that goes over. And then there's another big like forest area where there's <laughs> like a golf course and, you know, a bunch of housing developments so wikipedia says that my city's area is 145 square miles Hmm. wow in the yeah for the city so i know jacksonville there's a big like it seemed like from what i remember i lived there like 17 years ago Mm -hmm. it seemed like there's a big section that's just like a swampy area that not really many people live in. I wonder if that's like included in the city limits. I guess I could look it up. Huh? It says, <laughs> uh, says there's 127 square miles of water in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, okay. So they have some water inside their city limits. Yeah. That makes sense. It doesn't say how much of it is marsh. <laughs> yeah, because I know there's a big river that goes through there. But... Hmm. And then the last thing, um, so have you, have you ever thought about how cool it would be to drive from like Alaska down to Argentina? Yes. I've watched multiple documentaries about it. (laughs) So there's, there's a highway that will, that covers most of that distance. Um, except for there's one gap called the Darien Gap. Which is in Panama. And there have been... So the first all-land autocrossing from North to South America was in 1987 to 19... 19 from 1985 to 1987. Uh, it was by two guys named Lauren Upton and, well, I don't know if Patty's a man or a woman. Patty Mercier were in a CJ5 Jeep and it took them 741 days to travel about 125 miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this this gap, and there had been plans to build a, a highway that goes through the gap, but they've 
pretty much been abandoned. Um, it's basically just a big jungle with very swampy land. There's also a bunch of drug lords in the area. <laughs> oh, um, lovely. Yeah. It's very steep and lots of There's lots of rivers. Yes. And they decided people decided me we really actually want a gap there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I it, just it would be I just echo- watched a documentary about a guy that crossed it this last week. Oh yeah? Yeah. On a motorcycle. Yeah, I saw something where some people crossed it on bicycles, and it looked like mostly they were carrying their bicycles through mm-hmm. like knee and waist deep uh, swamp. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, back in the it must have been the late eighties, like eighty nine. There was a group of uh, Jeep owners in the U.S. that I think they crossed it with like six Jeeps. Uh huh. Mm. And they. Did the whole? They went down to uh, Ushuaia is the end of the Pan American Highway, okay. and drove up, and then they stopped in Colombia and outfitted the jeeps with like big racks to hold big um, like ramps and stuff. Yeah, and then they drove through. I think they did it in thirty days, maybe forty-five uh-huh. days, but it was it looked absolutely. <laughs> insane yeah <laughs> there's like how much they much broke an axle than... in a middle oh, of a yeah. river so the Whoa. guy's like they've got it up on blocks like and the guy's sitting in water with a welder welding an <laughs> axle back together jeez yeah yeah i've seen that some people like bring rafts like rubber rafts to put their vehicles in to get over some parts and <laughs> i think that jeep one they got two borrowed two boats from some local native people yeah. and put some boards across them and then drove on like perpendicular to the boats. So mm-hmm. the front axles on one boat and the rear axles on the other. <laughs> and then just That's cool. walked it across and they just did that with all six Jeeps. Mm. Yeah. So there's some, uh, geographical trivia. So that... one I like Looking at maps, I like yeah. how maps are drawn. And yeah, the me too. Realization I had within the last couple of years is that the equator is drawn on most maps like two th- or yeah, like a third of the way from the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so just all of the northern hemisphere looks bigger. Yeah, well, there's a large percentage of the land on the earth is above the equator. So north of the equator, I should say. Yeah. I think we should put the equator wherever we feel like. Mm, It's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Would it get warmer if we put it closer to us? Well, you know, if you just want it to be warmer, we need to just stay on summertime all year. Get rid of daylight savings time in the winter. Oh, I just thought you were going to say, let's just get rid of winter get and stay on winter. summer. Just not have the <laughs> earth tilt back to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, can we, we just keep us tilted towards the sun all year? Yeah. <laughs> there's, like you said, there's less people down in the southern hemisphere. They don't need the sun as much. Right. 
we could grow so much more food in the northern hemisphere that they wouldn't even need to grow food down there. We just export it to them. Or they could just move up here with all the normal people. Yeah, <laughs> where we're standing upright instead of upside down. Yeah, they <laughs> like standing on their heads all the time. That's why all the animals down there have pockets so they don't. The babies don't, don't, the fall, babies out, don't fall off the earth. Fall up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! You just stick them in their pocket, and then they don't fall off. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how those people keep track of their keys. <laughs> and that's nerdiculture noise. For technology, we're going to talk about putting things in orbit. So most uh, satellites are launched from rockets that start off on the ground. They have a huge first stage to get them up to a certain altitude and speed. Most of the fuel is just getting the velocity you need to sustain orbit. It's Mm -hmm. not actually to get you up into space because space isn't actually that high. But you have to get going fast enough that you can get into orbit. Fall around the Earth. And so, you know, they get all this rocket fuel. You know, some of them just use, like, hydrogen. But some of them are using solid propellants and stuff. Or cooking oil. I'm just kidding. (laughs) They have to transport to their launch pads. Put, you know, assemble these huge rockets. And then wait for a weather window that they can launch in where the weather won't affect the flight and all this stuff. Um, so one might wonder, well, why don't they just fly the rocket up in an airplane and launch it higher up and use less fuel and then you wouldn't worry about the weather so much? Hmm. Well, some companies have actually tried that, but the way they were doing it is they couldn't ignite the rocket when it was super close to the plane that brought it up there. So basically they were dropping the rocket. So it had negative velocity (laughs) and then igniting it. And they were like, it's using more fuel than if we just launched it from the ground. (laughs) Well, there's a new company in this game. They uh, are called raven x and they are building an autonomous jet that will take rockets so these are smaller rockets they're meant to uh carry smaller satellites into orbit but um it'll be an unmanned plane so they can have more aggressive flight characteristics Mm -hmm. so they can take off at a steeper angle. They can pull higher G maneuvers and stuff since there's nobody on board. 
and then when they launch their rocket, the rocket will still have positive velocity from the aircraft. Hmm. So the aircraft is actually considered the first stage since it's contributing to the orbital velocity of the rocket. Uh, it's a 24-meter-long airplane. And the other thing is um, they can launch it from any runway that is at least a mile long. So there's that opens up possibilities. And the plane and the rocket both use normal jet fuel. Mm. So you don't have to transport it specially to a special fuel specially to your launch site. You could just have the rocket go to the airport where the plane is, fuel them up with the jet fuel that's already at the airport, and then the plane takes off like a normal plane, goes to where its launch window is above the weather, so you don't have to worry about weather at all except for the plane taking off, which is less subject to weather difficulties than a rocket and you would probably not base it in like florida where there's hurricanes you would base it somewhere you know with better weather more consistent weather and uh it flies up to a certain altitude and can launch a 100 kilogram uh, satellite into orbit and uh, so that's that could save a lot of money and you know the military is interested in it because they are always looking for novel ways to to get their stuff into orbit and you know we yeah. have this new space force that you know is wanting to investigate new technologies for space and then eventually i mean this could be a way to more easily get bigger payloads into space in the future possibly even uh crewed flights although some of the characteristics that are making this beneficial now were because it didn't have a crew but you know maybe uh, to get bigger payloads they could just have smaller ones you know that maybe maybe shape them like lions with different colored lions, Ooh. and then after they get you know high enough up, they can all like combine into one gigantic, um, maybe humanoid like a humanoid shaped robot? rocket. Yeah, rocket. Yeah, and then you can have this giant sword. <laughs> that seems uh, <laughs> doable. You know, in case you know asteroids or something get in the way or meteorites. Yeah. Well. So the name of the game right now is just whatever we can do to lower launch costs. And that helps, you know, scientists, it helps communications, right? Everything you're trying to put into orbit is cheaper. And that just allows more research, more stuff like for us, like GPS, satellite, internet, satellite TV, everything. The cost of that stuff comes down, Mm -hmm. presumably. So... I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's not cool. And that's Technergy. 
So I know that by now we're all tired of politics and a town in Kentucky got tired of it back in the 90s. And since <laughs> 1998, they have elected a dog to be their mayor. Because oh. they Probably don't complain as much. They does just as good a job as other. Belly yep, rubs for everybody. Yep, that is uh, <laughs> how they declare candidacy is they have to be willing to have their belly scratched. Yeah, and then nobody <laughs> complains when the nobody complains when the candidate sniffs, you know, people or right anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> so this year, a uh, French bulldog named Wilbur won Wilbur. the election, <laughs> um, beating out a beagle named oh. Jack Rabbit and a golden retriever oh. named Poppy. Oh, I can see why the guy named Jack Rabbit didn't make it in because he wasn't really a rabbit. Yeah. So Wilbur got 13,143 <laughs> votes out of 22,985 votes cast. Oh, what a good boy. But <laughs> it looks a little sketchy to me because I, I think oh. it's rigged. Uh-oh. Um, so it looks like you're what, how they... Each vote is basically a dollar that's donated towards okay. uh, some Indian uh, society, maybe. I think no? It, no, no, I think it's a historical. Let's see. I think it's the town's the town's historical society is. Um, so you vote for your candidate, and then they use that money to help promote oh, the so, town and run the historical society. So the dog doesn't actually do all the administration things and in the government then uh they might it doesn't say that they don't <laughs> they bring yeah. they bring two bills in front of it okay boy which one's the one you want to sign and he puts his <laughs> yeah pot in the pot ink it. and then puts it on there and nice it's official right yep i think so <laughs> um so my next story is a little bit sadder it involves Aww. a um mama and baby bear that were euthanized but that was because they were pirate bears whoa this Um, got more exciting all of a sudden they the uh the russian had a hook for the russian navy was were the ones to uh euthanize these and um they did that because these a mama bear and a baby bear boarded a submarine Whoa. <laughs> that was tied up on a next to a dock. That seems like it should not happen. <laughs> you would think. I uh, guess it is Russia. Yep. So the um the bears crawl out onto this uh the top of the submarine and then start going into one of the hatches and <laughs> were quickly dispatched, which was oh, unfortunate. But I guess this area has also has um, a lot of issues with pe- bears getting too used to people and getting uh, more aggressive so the, and stuff. The question is, where does a bear go in a submarine? And the answer is know. anywhere he wants. wants yeah. <laughs> the real problem is going to be when they start commandeering Migs. I'll have to get the black bears because they're smaller and will fit yeah. this better. I was going to say, he's probably barely able to fit in the hatch. <laughs> uh, so when was the last time you rented or checked rented. out a 
book from the library, like a hard copy paper book. It's uh, been more than a year. Five years. More than a year. Okay, five Less years than two long. years, more Four, than one five, year. Maybe. So what's the rate that for overdue books that they charge? I have no idea. I don't remember. Well, so in uh, 1941, when a <laughs> copy of the um, Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens was checked out of the library, it was two cents a day is the rate that Ooh. what late fees. So um, a book was recently <laughs> returned that had <laughs> been checked out in 1941. Oh, Whoa. so it has a $580 fine, which they are not oh. going to enforce. Oh, because not that bad. They're not really sure who turned it back in, but it just showed up in their return bin. They didn't and, have records from back then of who checked the, it out. It had the slip in the back that they wrote <laughs> the date it was checked out on. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe it doesn't have that. Let's see. I think they found, oh, that there was a tag in it that said the last time it had been checked out was in 1941. So, wow. They have no record of who checked it out or why it wasn't returned or who then returned it. So, I don't know if <laughs> they thought it was a donation book or what. But, yeah, and that's the news. So, I think like. I don't know. Maybe it was video rental places, but if you like lost your thing, you rented. It's like once you're fine accumulated to the cost of replacing it, they would stop accumulating. It's like, yeah, if the book costs $15 to buy, they wouldn't charge you the $20 fine. If you lost it. Right. Cause they could buy, they could, you could buy them another copy for right. some amount. Yeah, I, used, I actually kept a couple movies from rental places because it was the same price to just pay to keep it. <laughs> like That's, if you lost it, the replacement cost was the same as just buying it new. Oh. And so I was like, ah, oh, well. And I think you... Yeah. It was going to be the same price, so I just kept it. <laughs> well, Redbox had a thing where you could go in there and be like, yeah, I'm keeping this disc, and they would just charge you the cost of the disc. Mm. Interesting. I, I worked with a lady in Boise, and she was she was from Thailand, and her mother lived with her, and she sent some red boxes back to the box with her mother. This was like 10, Uh-oh. 12 years ago. And her mother came back with the plastic cases. Oh, no. And she was like, yeah, it wouldn't go in in the case. But they went in without the case. Uh-oh. Like, uh oh. <laughs> and so she called, she called Redbox. <laughs> I was saying Redbox, right? Or was I saying Netflix? I think, no, you said Redbox. Redbox, yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, I wasn't sure. <laughs> so she called Redbox, and they were like, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes with old people. Like, oh, yeah, that's why all the discs are scratched, because it happens yeah, right. all the time. You're like, oh. So they would not let you check out the same disc twice. So huh. we had, you know, gone online and reserved a disc at a machine and then went to pick it up, and the machine was broken. Oh, so we couldn't get our disc, so it's like we tried to rent it from a different one, 
And it was like, nope, you have to wait 24 hours to rent this movie. Mm. Like, and I had called them and said, hey, I, you know, because I didn't want to get charged for it. Yeah. A movie I didn't get to rent. And they were like, yeah, we can't. You cannot watch that movie from us tonight. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll watch. Like, well, could you just fix else. your machine? <laughs> nah, that sounds hard. No, that's yeah. too hard. Well, it's funny because like, you call them and they ask what machine and they look it up. They're like, oh, yeah, it looks like nobody's used that in four hours. So it must be broken. <laughs> it's like, can't you write a little bit of code that gives you a warning if a machine isn't used? For more there than four hours. Well, and we don't use Redbox anymore because it's like there's we're subscribed to so many services that right never <laughs> lacking something to watch. But the the worst thing was the closest one to us was in a store where there were two kiosks next to each other, and we would rent online one and we'd go there oh right the <laughs> one we needed there were people standing there browsing slowly through every title trying to decide and the other one's empty mm-hmm. and you're standing there waiting and they're like why don't you use that one it's like we reserved online and it's in that box they're like oh you can do that or <laughs> you're like, like obviously yeah, you didn't know that's that way you don't inconvenience other people Sounds like you've got a case of consumption. I do. Let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. Get um, breathe. Oh. So I watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Ooh. Ooh. So I actually had never seen the movie before. Really? That's probably my favorite Terminator movie. <laughs> well, and I, I had heard that many times that it was a really, you know, probably the best of the franchise. Uh-huh. So yeah, I really liked it. It was good. Back. <laughs> um, I'm thinking I may have seen parts of the first half of the movie before, and I'm not just talking about the ones, the scenes that were in like the Guns N' Roses music video back then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it's kind of funny. Around the same time that the movie came out, um. Van Halen released the CD that had a track on there called Judgment Day. And so uh-huh. I had always just assumed that it was in for the movie. the movie, but it actually has <laughs> nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah. Um, then we watched a movie called Larry Crown. It's got, um, what's that guy from Bosom Buddies? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> has Tom Hanks in it and, uh, Oh man, who's that? Who's the gal that was in uh, Hook that played the Tinker Bell? Um, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it had those two actors in it. Um, it also had Rami Malek. Malek. Yeah. He was in it. And uh, it's basically the story of a guy that decides to go back to college. And I guess it's kind of a romantic comedy because he um, falls in love with his one of his teachers in college. And this mm-hmm. is like a middle-aged guy. So. Right. Anyway, it was pretty good, though. I, I enjoyed it, even though it's got the usual thing where, you know, they've fall in love super fast and it's just like it doesn't seem like they like each other at first but then they're friends oh yeah anyway um then we watched a movie called operation christmas drop oh is this a sequel to operation dumbo drop i thought it might have been but no it's uh <laughs> totally separate it's actually huh? not <laughs> wow it's a it's another romantic comedy i guess it's comedy but Christmas drama takes place in Guam. Oh, um, it's the basically Christmassy island in America. So it's it's super um, predictable of what's going to happen because <laughs> you know these kind of movies always turn out the same way. But basically, the I think it's called Andrews Air Force Base in Guam. It's attacked you know, by it's, a robot from the future. No, it comes up oh. on the brack list, like it shut down, like might oh. shut down the base. Which I'm thinking that <laughs> they would never shut that base down. No. <laughs> that's too strategic for the US. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's the you know what they're going with. And so this senator sends one of her aides out there to you know write a report on this base and basically told ahead of time that you know I want to report this as you know that we should shut the base down or something and so she's assigned to this captain that's um, basically her handler while she's there and you know same kind of thing they start out not liking each other and then (laughs) boom they're friends you know anyway Um, yeah but it was pretty good movie though I would if you like Christmas um, dramas, <laughs> it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, yeah, so basically the Christmas drop is where they have a bunch of donations come in and they drop these boxes with parachutes to all these different islands surrounding, like in Micronesia, and mm-hmm. it has supplies for these people that live on these islands that don't get supplies very often. So that's Did someone jump out of the box and go supplies. <laughs> no, but that would have been oh. funny if they did How that. It would have been a comedy. How old this is this movie? Brand new came out okay. this year. I was so. to say that sounds familiar, but I, it's a remake of the 1957 operation. Chris. Oh, so the operation Christmas drop is actually, is a thing that has been going on for decades. It's oh. an actual thing that happens. So this oh. movie just, you know, revolves around the, the thing. Maybe I saw a documentary about it. Could be. <laughs> um, let's see. And then I played some video games. Christmas themed? Uh, no, not Christmas oh. themed. Were they romantic I... comedy video games? No. <laughs> oh. One of them was an off-roading video game. 
Oh. I think I've talked about it before. It's called Mud Runner. Um, mm. The last time I talked about it, I had played it where you have this semi-trailer that you're trying to back into this little spot in the on a dirt in a dirt area, whatever. Okay, sounds familiar. But this one, the level I played this past couple weeks was uh, you're a logger, logging truck driver, and you have to drive from this garage out to where the the logs are and then take them to a mill. And uh, it took me like four or five tries to do it. (laughs) Because there's there's quite a distance to go between the different locations. Mm-hmm. And it has a day and night cycle in the game. And it takes all day and all night and most of the next day to finish. Wow. But like one of the times I ran out of gas. So there's a fuel station mm-hmm. that you have to strategically get to. And I had figured I can make it to the logging place and back to the gas station in time but usually you can but not when you're pulling a trailer and you're loaded down with logs (laughs) another time i rolled the truck off the trail that's Uh, less than ideal there was one time i rolled the truck and it landed back on its tires so i could keep going but (laughs) as anyone would like oh i'm I'm upright well there's a damage meter and i wasn't too damaged to keep driving so there you go I have been damaged have enough. Damage meter. Yeah, I have been damaged enough that sparks are shooting out the side of the truck. <laughs> it's supposed to do uh, that, right? Yeah. And then there was a couple times I got lost in the woods because I there's kind of a map you can look at, but most the big chunk of the map is darkened, like it hasn't been explored by you yet or something. Mm-hmm. So and I was like, I bet I could take a shortcut <laughs> through this area. <laughs> and there were times like I could probably. I, you know, on the map, it kind of looks like there's probably a road right over there. I'll just go through these few trees, and then pretty soon, I'm like going, hitting all these trees, backing up, and like maneuvering my way through these dense. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, that's where I damaged my drive shaft. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's pretty fun trying to. There's like a river crossing too, which doesn't cause too much trouble, but. <laughs> and then I've been playing a game uh, called Batman Arkham Knight. Ooh. And that's pretty fun because you get to play as Batman. Does it have a day night cycle? No, it's always night. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> um, I'm playing on easy, so it pretty much tells me what I need to do, <laughs> which is helpful. Like, you'll start doing something, and Batman himself will say, actually, we need to do this first. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> or it's kind of a like, puzzle game, right? You have to, like... Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Uh, it's not just, like, an action. It's kind of exploring and right. problem There's solving. There's different things, like missions that come up that you're doing, and... Yeah, but it's like... <laughs> There's a bunch of bad guys, and you're heading toward him. It's like, actually, we probably should have the Batmobile... <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh good good point <laughs> i'll head back for the batmobile <laughs> uh, one of my favorite game franchises is god of war it's like a uh-huh. melee combat but it also has puzzles and stuff okay but the diff the different difficulty levels are just 
how hard the enemies are. Oh, okay. Puzzles are the same. Well, if you die in the same spot enough times, it will ask you when you respawn, like, would you like to try an easier difficulty level? Like, no! (laughs) Beat it on this difficulty level, you jerk. Uh, Well, I like it because little things will pop up on the screen. It's like, push this button to use your grappling hook. You're like, oh, Oh, yeah, I can use the grappling hook. Oh, okay. I should use the grappling hook in this situation. <laughs> you know, something like that. So uh, that's funny, but it's pretty fun. It's you know cinematic. There's cutscenes and oh. a lot of driving around the Batmobile and cool. Um, apparently, you're not killing people, even though you're running over them and shooting them. Just harming <laughs> them. Well, so I noticed when you hit someone with your car, it's actually like sh- there's like a shock thing that pushes them away from the car. You're not actually <laughs> running over them. You're just like knocking them out of the way. Them. Oh. And when I'm shooting the machine guns at the the people, they're not <laughs> they're I guess they're non-lethal rounds. Just or something. getting winged. And when you really defeat an enemy, you're basically just knocking them un- unconscious. <laughs> yeah. So there was a know. game for the PS One, I think called driver and there uh-huh. was actually a driver two and in driver two you could actually get out of your car and go get a different car but oh. there were also pedestrians but it was impossible to hit the pedestrians because they would always scoot out of the way <laughs> like into buildings or between buildings or something it was like it was designed because in the game you're like an undercover cop oh okay so it'd be weird if you were going around running people over with your car. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what, they just made it so that it was impossible to run people over. One fun, fun part of the game is you can like, you know, shoot the little thing up and have you pull you up on the buildings and stuff. And then you can like glide with your back oh, wings. Cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun because it's got, you know, three islands of Gotham and you can explore them and, there's all different kinds of side quests and things going on. and Nice. So, yeah, it's fun. That's my consumption. All right. I finished a the last uh, Hitchhiker's Guide book mm-hmm. in the set I got. It's called Mostly Harmless, which is a reference to um, Ford's entry on Earth in the Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. Is it, it just says Earth, mostly harmless. Yeah. But in this one, um, uh, what's the other dude's name? The Earthling. I don't remember. I can't think of his name. Anyways. Martin Freeman. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. He, um, he had met a woman and... At some point, they got separated, and he just ended up on this planet, crash-landed, that he couldn't get off of. And uh, he was a he was the village sandwich maker. Mm. And uh, one day, uh, Trillian, who is the the lady in it that was with Zaphod Beeblebrox in the earlier books, but she's also from Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, she just shows up and drops a like teenage girl off and's like, 
here's your daughter. You deal with her. And he's like, okay. You know, it explains how it's his daughter and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's like this new version of the guide that is kind of like sentient and it is capable of like all this stuff anyways the daughter ends up taking off with it and it was actually fairly interesting it was pretty hilarity ensues oh wait it was definitely romantic comedy better than (laughs) a couple of the other books in the series so but you do have to kind of read them in order in order to understand what's going on in the last one. So okay. it ended on a, on a fairly good note. So oh, you're saying you shouldn't read the books out of order? No, probably not. Okay. At least some of them. Anyways, so I'm done with the Hitchhiker's Guide. Glad I read it. Some of them weren't as good, but Overall, I think it was good a good read. Cool. All right. We watched a movie called Killers. It's Ashton Kutcher and uh, something Heigl. <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So she, Catherine, like, just broke up with her boyfriend. She goes to France with her folks who are Tom Selleck and Catherine O'Hara. And they are like obsessed with safety. Well, the daughter ends up meeting Ashton Kutcher, who is an assassin, but they fall in love. He gives up the assassin life to be with her. And all of a sudden, like after they've been married for three years, um, an assassin shows up to kill him and he has to like, you know, they have to go on the run and figure out who, why they're being targeted. And, um, it was really good. It has, uh, also, um, Rob Riggle is in it. I really like him and there's a lot of humor in it and stuff and fight scenes and shooting and driving. So, (laughs) It's pretty good. Uh, we watched a movie called The Love Punch, which was um, Pierce Brosnan and the woman in it that is his ex-wife is played by the chick from Stranger Than Fiction, the author. can't remember her name. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you'd recognize the name, I'm sure. But um, they are divorced. Their daughter is just moving out to go to college. And the company that they're both... Oh, and he's retiring from this company that he ran. And that their retirement is going to be from the investments in this company's stock or whatever. Mm. Well, when he retires, he sells the company to an investor and the investor just takes all the money and bankrupts the business. And he's like this European millionaire that doesn't care about anybody. Mm -hmm. So these two, Pierce Brosnan and his ex-wife, 
and all the employees are have just lost everything. So Pierce Brosnan and the woman, the ex-wife, decide to go to Europe to confront this guy and see if they can convince him to give him their money back. And he's a total dirtbag and is like, uh, what I did is legal. It's immoral, but I don't care. Well, they find out that he has just bought this, like, really expensive diamond for his fiance. So they decide to steal it to give everybody their retirements back. And uh, so it's kind of like a heist movie, but the spin on it is that they're old. And so they're doing okay. all this stuff. Um, but they're always complaining about like their how old they are and being sore <laughs> and it's Emma Thompson is the woman. Oh, okay. Uh the ex wife. So there's a lot of humor and you know everybody's everybody that they talk to that finds out they're in Europe together is like, oh, we're so happy you're back together. And <laughs> they're like, we're not back together. So there's a lot of humor in that and stuff, but it's pretty good. And I also finished a book called murder at Avedon Hill. It was an audio book. Um, so it was basically written in the style of like a D and D campaign. Mm. There's, like the main character is basically a druid i think and he's goes to this town called avadon hill because they control entry to this pass that he needs to go to travel to something in another town but he gets there and the city's on lockdown an important member an important person in the leadership of the town was murdered and they aren't letting anyone in and out because they want to figure out who did it. And so this guy convinces them to let him in to help try to solve the murder. And there's like, they think it was a vampire. So there's like these other D and D type creatures. There's like, uh, several other creatures they run into. And there's other people that, you know, make potions and or have other magical abilities and and stuff. And so it's it's like a basically a murder mystery set in a D and D type world. So mm. it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, if you're into that sort of story, check that one out. You can go to scribble.com is where the audiobook is hosted and I just got it in my podcatcher app, so for free. That was good. Um, I since we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, I've got a lot, so I'll take the <laughs> good ones and just. So I watched the Expendables. You're getting a little bit action. quiet again. It's kind of oh going no. In and out. I will try to talk directly into the mic. Okay, that loudly. does do sound better. Um, so I watched The Expendables, which has every action actor ever in it. 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was not very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Oh, doesn't hear you say that. I watched a movie called Stay with Ewan McGregor and Ryan Gosling and Naomi Watts. Um, also had uh, B.D. Wong in it. It's from 2005. It's about a psychologist that starts having, he takes over for another doctor that's sick and he gets Ryan got Ewan McGregor's the doctor and Ryan Gosling starts coming in to see him. And he has a bunch of issues and basically tells him that he is going to commit suicide in a couple days and it unravels and you're not really sure who is sane and who's not. Um, it was, I didn't really care for it, but (laughs) I think it had certain people would probably really enjoy just, just not you. Yeah. It was a little too much of this uncertainty with the psychological stuff. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure if I watched it paying really close attention, I would pick up on more, but I wasn't focused, so I didn't. Turns out they're all insane. Oh. Yeah. Um, so watch that. Uh, I watched a movie called 13 Ghosts, which has uh, Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lillard in it. Um, it is okay. a. It was interesting. It was terrible production quality, but oh. it was kind of entertaining. Um. <laughs> Basically, there's a guy that is capturing ghosts and he dies. And so his like niece or nephew gets the house. And when they show up to the, take a look at the house, they end up trapped inside. And the ghost that the guy this. has been capturing start being released. Um, Mm. It was interesting. It was kind of like a, I don't think it was even tongue in cheek comedy. It was just pretty terrible. So it was kind of funny. Mm. Um, But uh, it wasn't scary at all. It's, it was supposed to be like a horror movie, but yeah, it was, yeah, just, Mm. I don't know. It was, interesting um i watched quantum of solace the james bond movie i think mm-hmm. you talked about that recently so i won't yeah. say yeah. anything more mm-hmm. um i watched a movie called underwater which is a people that can't afford their houses yep oh. um it had Kristen stewart it's on the seabed from <laughs> twilight uh, Twilight fame. Um, she's the main person and uh, TJ Miller, who's a comedian. He's a Deadpool oh, sidekick. Yeah. Friend. Yep. So he's the comic relief. But basically the um, they're on a deep sea oil drill rig 
okay. that's down in like the Mariana Trench or something. Why would you go there? Because oh. it's deeper and it gets more better. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's immediately the beginning of the movie starts and there's a disaster in the drill rig and they have to try to get oh. out of the part of the thing they're in and get to some escape pods. Yeah. <laughs> and I then heard it goes, somebody else talk about this kind of goes out into left field. It is not <laughs> what you expect. In, oh boy. It's not just uh, poor engineering. Let's put it that way. Ooh. There's something in the water. <gasps> um, it was a megalodon. Decent. Oh, okay. It was decent. I liked okay. where it went. Um, it was not. I don't think the acting like it. Sometimes with those, it's hard to stay in it when things are. You just have to like. Okay, yeah, the technology exists. What they're doing totally makes sense. You can, there's these suits you can put on and just, you know, pop out into, onto the seafloor at the bottom of the Mariana Trench and <laughs> get the suits on and off by yourself and whatever. But if you get past that, I thought it was pretty decent. Okay. Um, I watched Some of All Fears with Ben uh, Affleck movie. and... Uh, okay. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman. Mm-hmm. is good as always. I really enjoy. It's one of those. It's one of the movies I can just go back and watch anytime. Mm. Um, Jack Ryan saves us from World War Three, as usual. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking at the time because I had been reading the Jack Ryan series. Mm-hmm. And I got through executive order where he's president. Mm-hmm. And then I was just thinking, watching this, like, wow, that is his career escalated quickly <laughs> <laughs> from like a young analysts that is just being introduced to how things are working and kind of getting involved in some stuff to like four well, months the, later being president. The mm-hmm. movie is way different than the book, though. Yeah. He wasn't as young in the book. Yeah, and it's been a few years since I've read the book. But. um, I watched a movie called Killbird. Which Ooh. is. Uh, takes place in Oregon. And this woman's car breaks down out in the woods while she's doing bird photography. And so she goes to this house that's out there and it's just by itself out in the middle of nowhere. And it's this prepper conspiracy theorist dude. And he is like, what are you doing here? Like who sent you? And she's like, I, my car broke down. Can you help me? And he's being really weird about not helping her. And then it, gets kind of interesting with um, he has someone else that had gone out there that he took hostage Mm. because he thought that guy was a government agent. (laughs) Um, But it looked like, I think it must've been a Canadian production 
mm-hmm. because it had uh, I think three different people from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, and it, it had uh, Chief Tyrrell was in it. Um, it had uh, oh, what's his name? Tomo Pinatek. He plays um, Carl Agathon. Hilo in Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Hilo, okay. Yeah, he was in it. Um, it was okay. It was kind of a, it was an indie film, so it was fairly low budget, um, mm. but entertaining nonetheless. And then the two best shows I watched in the last couple of weeks, uh, the first one is called Truth Seekers, and it is a Nick Frost, Simon Pegg production. It's a TV show. Okay. Um, Because they've made, you know, they have like their end of the world trilogy, Mm -hmm. which is, um, yeah, Shaun of the Dead and whatever the, I don't know, the other two ones. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Nick Frost is a cable repairman and he's also a paranormal investigator. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And he has... He's really good at his job and his boss is Simon Pegg. Um, but he gets a, a new apprentice on the, on the job that he, um, shows the ropes and ends up bringing into his, uh, his YouTube channel called truth seekers, um, where they hunt for ghosts and solve (laughs) paranormal stuff. So it's a comedy. Um, and it, is very much in the vein of like Shaun of the dead and stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, and then I watched a, I guess it's like a documentary drama called murders at the white house farm. And it's based on a true story, but it's all, you know, just dramatized. Yeah. It's just a show. Like it's happening live and basically a, man calls the police and says, my dad just called and he said that my sister has gone nuts and they need help. And so the cops show up and he's like, yeah, it's farm. There's multiple guns. I think he had said on the phone, like my dad said that my sister had gone nuts and has one of the guns. Hmm. And so the cops come, they do like full SWAT team. They're hailing the, house no response they finally go in and his the guy's parents his sister and the two nephews are all dead and it's a an apparent murder suicide but one of the police officers doesn't think that that is actually what happened so i think it's a six episode series maybe um and it was very very good Hmm. What, so where would, did you watch it on? Uh, it might have been on HBO. Mm. But I'm not 100% sure. I will look it up. Yeah, so, HBO Max. Okay. So I forgot to mention in that Larry Crown movie, they also had um, George Takei in it as oh. an econ- economics professor and he was hilarious hmm. so maybe it was a comedy 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I that one was a comedy, but uh Well, the fire flies north and I'm gone. The weight of the sash carries me so far away. You're gonna be my hero and I'll be a fool. You're gonna find me sleeping this day away. Well, all right. Does anybody have any nerd cred? No. I have a little bit. Okay. So, mom made me a cross-stitched Christmas stocking when I was younger. Okay. Um, Not important to the story is it was lost. And a few years ago, I started, I found a picture of what I think may be the same pattern. (laughs) that mom used so about five or six years ago i wanted to recreate the stocking okay so i could on google i found uh the image of the someone had like scanned in the pattern but the resolution was too low for me to be able to actually there's supposed to be little squares (laughs) well exactly but they have (laughs) symbols in them Uh, and I couldn't tell what they were so I found a high resolution copy of it but it was on Google and to get the full size version of the image you have to go to the website okay so the website I went to was a in Russian Mm -hmm. whoa and this was five or six years ago before Google Chrome would automatically translate Mm. And before you knew Russian. And before I knew (laughs) Russian. But thankfully, all websites are set up the same in the world, I guess. Because without being able to read what the what it said, I was able to create an account to be able to log in to get (laughs) a full the full size (laughs) image, the full size image. Yeah. Um, so that was like five or six years ago. I started the stocking, worked on it for a little bit, but never made too much progress. Um, and, and so recently somehow you now have a Russian passport. <laughs> Wait, no. Oh, um, <laughs> but I've been working on it again. So, oh, I have been trying to spend at least an hour every night working on it. And cool. taking a more less fun, but more methodical approach to it <laughs> so that I can actually get it done. <laughs> so before I was just concentrating on like, oh, well, there's a whole bunch of this one color. So I'll just work on that. Mm-hmm. But I, it was ended up with just seeming like I wasn't making any progress. So uh-huh. I finally started just going through and was like, OK, I'm going to finish this area regardless of the colors. And it's very detailed. So it's mm. like a elf in a workshop scene. And cool. so like just the shade, like the green jackets, the elves wear. there's like three different colors of green. 
their wow. skin tones are two or three different colors. It's very detailed, so it's taking a while, but oh, that's cool. I yeah, still use my stocking from when I was a Ute. And uh Yeah. I don't know. I I guess my only nerd cred is I've figured out why my ignition coils were going bad. <laughs> Because the alternator wasn't putting out enough current. And your ignition <laughs> coils probably weren't bad. No, I think the low power was wiping them out. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But I have new ones now that are fancy. So it's fun because now, I mean, when I, when I went to get my ignition coils, you know, I looked online to make sure they had them in stock before I went to the store. So I go in there and I'm like, yeah, I need an eight pack of these ignition coils. And the guy's like, Oh, I don't think we carry them in like eight packs. And I was like, yeah, you have a set of Edelbrocks. And he's like, Oh, I guess I do like, come on. And then when I went to get my alternator, I, uh, looked at, was looking at them online, you know, and so um, I found the one I wanted at the store. And so I go into the store and uh, tell the guy, yeah, I have the the old one, you know, and I tell him what vehicle and stuff. And so he's got the looking at a list. And I'm like, yeah, I want that one. That's that price. That's the new one and that brand. And it's like I knew exactly which one <laughs> I wanted already. So he didn't have to try and you know, figure out on the spot which one I wanted. So I find it somewhat amusing when I go to the store and tell them what, what they have in stock. <laughs> yeah. And then you get, I get frustrated when websites that sell products that there should be, it, they sell it by, you know, quantity. So they should know how many they have in right. inventory, but you go to their website and it's like, nope, can't. Yeah, like some you, of them we are, don't even know what products we have. Yeah, or it's like call call the store to see if this is available. It's like, how? Come on, guys, it's twenty twenty. Yeah. Let's get let's get this going. All right, so we got a picture here of your cross stitch. It's pretty cool. All right, and let me go back to here because I. Oh, I guess we had a shout out on Span the Void. Yeah, I... Brad. Did you listen? I think it may have just come out today. No, so I'm kind of behind on theirs because I can't just listen unless I can get through the whole show because. Oh, right. For some reason, only their show doesn't work right on my phone, so. Um, so I did hear uh, Brad mention us on their Friendsgiving episode. Did they mention us again on the more recent one? I think so. Okay. I haven't listened to that one yet. Oh. I, well, he, just, cool. he mentioned it offhand at the end. He just said, I think they were talking about, um, well, because they have listeners that watch it live on Facebook, I think. Right. Oh, and then he did say that um, 
they were talking about other listeners, non Facebook listeners. And mm. oh, I think that might have been the Friendsgiving episode. Oh no. Well, maybe I listened to. Maybe I just I, listened to that one today. Yeah, because I listened to that one today as well. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Brad. I really enjoy all those all the guys on that show. So yeah, I'm still cool. waiting for uh, travel stuff to be better and trying to schedule <laughs> a time to go out and hang out with them. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, they we've should... been planning to go to Pennsylvania for a couple of years now, and then something always comes up that changes our plans. So <laughs> maybe cursed. eventually. So you're saying it's Master Zed's fault that there's travel restrictions? No. Yep. <laughs> I'm just waiting for flights over there to be cheaper, and they're uh, not ever cheaper. <laughs> well, they should come out here and go off-roading with us. Oh, that'd be a blast. Yep. I'd, that'd be cool. It would. All right, if you want to contact us and tell us about the your podcast that you're going to mention us on send an email to engineerty show at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for engineerty show um, for an ad free version of the show or to get yourself an engineerty show t-shirt head over to the engineerty show.com. And while you're there, go ahead and click through our Amazon link in the menu. And all you have to do is do it once bookmark it and then whenever you use your bookmark that supports the show while you shop thank you for listening this week stay nerdy live long and nerdy bye you know so you can't just say bizarre you never get a moment free something fun on your guitar Something with an A or a G Just be sure that I can tell it Just be sure that I can tell it again Most guitars are made of trees With some L for the strings And some frets and tuny things Most guitars are made of trees Most guitars are made of trees People play them while they sing Some are dull and some just ring Stars are made of trees You know me so you've seen it all before Looking at me stuck in a tree Trying to hold a thought you can't ignore Something multiplied by a three Just be sure that I can tell it Just be sure that I can tell it again You got the ladder out so that you could clear off of your car so oh. step stools poop <laughs> while you're walking. <laughs> oh my goodness. Most guitars are made of trees with some L for the strings and some frets and tuny things. Most guitars are made of trees. Most guitars are made of trees. People play them while they sing. Some are dull and some just ring Most guitars are made of trees
frets and tuny things. Most guitars are made of trees. Most guitars are made of trees. People play them while they sing. Some are dull and some just ring. Most guitars are made of trees. The song Most Guitars Are Made of Trees is by Greg Gibbs. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.